This is Hashtag Authentic, a podcast for creatives, dreamers and entrepreneurs online. I'm your host, Sarah Tasker, a certified coach specializing in creative business and all things related to social media and the digital realm. This is episode 111. Welcome back. It's been a while. I have got a really exciting episode for you today. I've been so ready to share this with you and to share what I've been working on behind the scenes that kind of goes along with it. So let's just get started. How many of you remember the good old days of blogging? Like I'm talking about back when we had blog rolls and Google Reader and you'd get four pages of comments and everyone was doing like three updates a week. Anyone around for that? Anyone remember? Or maybe you can remember the early, early days of Instagram where it genuinely felt like this close-knit global family and everything was new and exciting and there was just this wide open sense of freedom to everything we did because there were zero rules, there were no expectations, it was just about creating. Or maybe you're like a lot of people I speak to and you weren't around for any of those. And you've always felt a little bit like you've kind of missed the boat or you were late to the party with things. And you've heard people talk about the energy when things are new and that momentum that exists and that sense of kind of being at the start of something that turns big. Well, today I want to share with you the platform I am currently most excited about. I think it has exactly that energy right now and you can very clearly see where it's headed. So I want to invite you to think about where it might fit in for you and if this might be not only an asset to whatever it is you're building for yourself, but also a place for joy and creativity. I'm hearing from so many of you that that's missing at the moment, especially with recent Instagram changes. And while that's optional and we can absolutely work on that, sometimes it feels really good to create a space for yourself where you just get to play. So my guest today is Farah Storr, who has been on the podcast before. Last time we spoke, she was editor of Cosmopolitan magazine, but she's since had a change of role and she's moved over to Substack. I'm going to let Farah explain everything in lots more detail to you. But to kind of start you off, if you're not aware of it, Substack is a bit like a blog meets an email list meets Patreon. So you build a list of people who are subscribing and you send out regular updates to them that they can view either as an email in their inbox or as a blog post. And then you can add things like podcasts and paywalls and comment threads. And it's all super, super simple. No fancy skins, no web design necessary. You can update it from your phone in seconds and send it out to everybody. I've started writing there and I'll pop the link in the show notes. And at the moment, my updates are mainly about my French house project, which we've got some very exciting news about. So if you've not already heard it, you should definitely head over to my Substack and follow along with that adventure. But I can also see how it has potential to be a place where I can talk about marketing and social media and business and mindset and anything else that might be going on in my life with that freedom of the early blog days. And what's kind of amazing is people are reading it. People are reading long form content on Substack all of the time. People are paying for long form, often written content. And that's new. We haven't really seen that since the days of the blog, since before Instagram kind of took over the scene. And I think it's exciting. So enough waffle from me. Let me introduce you to Farah. Farah, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me. 
So you've had a bit of a change since we last spoke. Last time we spoke, I think you were editor of Cosmo. Is that right? God, yeah, that's really going back. So that's probably about six or seven years ago. But I think I was, yeah, I think I was, um, I think I was probably in mid-tenure of editing Cosmo. That's right. And now tell us about what's happening for you. Well, so since we last spoke, I mean, actually in between uh, when we last spoke, I then went on to edit. Uh, Do you know what? When I was at Cosmo, I I said I sort of made a pact with myself, which was Cosmo was going to be the last magazine that I ever edited um, for lots of reasons. But 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 the main one being I sort of felt that I'd been there and done it. And then um, then I was offered L and and asked to sort of take over L. and, And I'd never done the fashion thing. I'd never done the front row thing. So I sort of agreed to do L. And I did L for almost three years. Um, and then late last year, suddenly the time really had come, I think, after COVID. And, and you know, I worried about the future of magazines. Um, I decided to take the leap and actually leave magazines, sort of put my career there to bed. And I joined Substack, um, which is a tech newsletter platform, um, which sounds like a radically different career. And yes. Career switch, but but it's not actually. Um, it's sort of doing everything I love before because it is journalism, but it just happens to be on a tech platform. So this is really interesting because obviously I'd heard of Substack before we chatted recently, but I'd thought of it in kind of a more like people who already maybe are offering a product online might have a Substack as a way of kind of uh, like monetizing their audience at a really low level I hadn't thought about it in this capacity as journalism but actually you were saying to me it's been amazing for so many writers I mean it's really and and I suppose the thing is it started sort of four years ago as a newsletter platform but it's very quickly sort of moved on from that so the best way to think about Substack is it's like um it's like a personal media channel for the individual so you have a newsletter at its heart, but you can also have podcasts and video and voice memo all in one place. So it's sort of if you can imagine, you know, all your writing and video and audio all lives in one universe. That's what um, a Substack is. And and yeah, and, and a lot of journalists who for a very long time, you know, I think sometimes we forget. We think that certainly when I was working on a magazine and I've probably been guilty of this myself, you tend to think that the magazine, the brand is the hero and that's what brings um, the audience. But of course, what you forget is within the magazine, there are often these star writers who have these very deep connections. Their words have deep connections with the audience and they are actually what brings the audience. And I suppose the difference is with Substack is you finally get to meet that audience. They come for you and you alone. You interact with them. Um, and and actually, the other thing, which I think is really important to any creative, actually, Sarah, and certainly any writer, is that when we write stuff, you know, we put it out into the world and hopefully a lot of people enjoy our words. But if you're on a, an Instagram or Twitter, as wonderful as they are, or even if you write for the national press, mm. you don't ever own the audience. They come yes. to you, but, but you don't own them. And I think what appeals to me was Substack, ultimately, um, and we'll talk about how you earn money in, in, in a minute, but was the fact that it, when you come to Substack, people give you their emails. They want your work to land in their inbox. And even if you choose to leave Substack at any point, you keep those emails forever. So you own your audience in a way that I think every creative sh- should do, really. 
I love, I like, this just resonates on so many levels. It reminds me of when the pool closed. Do you remember? It's going back a while now, but the pool for anyone who doesn't remember was an online women's magazine. It was, it had really big names attached to it. It was seemed to be very popular and then it closed very abruptly. And a lot of people were left, I think unpaid, but definitely, you know, really, really upset that, that it had gone because it, it played a part in a lot of people's lives. And I remember looking then and saying to anyone who would listen, like, this is an opportunity though, because you can own your audience, especially I think because the pool was online, it was maybe a little bit unusual in the sense that you did notice the name attached to the piece in a way that probably gets overlooked a lot of the time in print journalism. Mm, that's and right. so you're able to build it's almost a brand isn't it for yourself around the work that you're doing that's right yeah it's totally right and I, I think I don't know if it's a writer's thing but I think we all inherently have quite low self-esteem and so <clears> the idea of having a having an audience so you know so many writers including myself think oh well, it's the brand it's not my words having an audience is one thing and then having this very close relationship with your audience, seeing them and speaking to them. I think a lot of writers sort of can't believe it. I mean, I speak to so many writers who are thinking about starting a Substack. Mm-hmm. First, they all, all of them, and these, you know, a lot of these are brilliant writers, names of whom you will know. I can't share them now because they haven't joined yet, but <laughs> these are big name writers. And they're, they're, the, the one sort of refrain is, why will anyone read me? Yeah. It's a really weird one. Well, it's fascinating. I think it's possibly a bit of um, a bit of an epidemic among creatives in general. This sense of like, what have I got to say? What value have I got to add? Absolutely. And yet, this what people are so hungry for online now is we want real people, we want real connections, we want a real human at the end of it, and we can't get that from, like you say, a magazine on the shelf. It doesn't it doesn't scratch the itch in the same way. It doesn't. And, and I think you're you're right. The, the other thing is, and this is why I, I genuinely believe it is the time of the writer. You know, writers have forever. That's why no one's parents want them to become a writer. Of course. <laughs> but, but writers are forever. You know, they don't know their worth. They don't know their value. They're undervalued a lot of the time. You know, we all know horror stories of journalists being offered 50 pounds to write, you know, a story for, for yeah. them in some cases. Um, and I think now, you know, the internet, we went through this this sort of frenzy of all this content, as much as you could possibly devour. And I think, and I always did believe this would happen. What has happened now, of course, is people go, I feel sick. I just want now what I know is good for me and what I enjoy. Yes. Um, and, and, and that's what I think is happening now. You know, they, they, we had too much in a way and now people want to narrow it down. Well, yeah, because it's almost like a return to the blog post. If you think about the newsletter element of it, that long form written content that social media has tried its best to kill. Like Instagram is about a 10 second attention span at best. People worry if their caption's too long. But this is a place where people are intentionally choosing and curating like a daily diet almost of long, often long form content with additional, like you say, video, audio. Well, that's right. It, it, it's sort of nourishing, isn't it? It's like I yeah. spend my time with you. Um, and, and you're right in that it's not only I choose to spend my time with your words, but I think, and we talked about this, you know, blogging was amazing. But what you didn't have was the sort of the community aspect, which yeah. so it's like is, is really, there are real elements of blogging. But of course, when you put a sub stack out there and you send it out, 
what you get back is a chorus of your community commenting, sharing their experience. Um, so, so yes, you are right. It's about choosing to spend time with the writer, with both their words and the writer per se. And then directly support them, which is like one of those beautiful reciprocal relationships that I love the internet for, that you get to make someone else's dream come true, loving the content. So that's totally right. And, and you know, there are sort of, you know, what I love about Substack, I sound like a sales advert now, but um, <laughs> what I like is, you know, you can be a free subscriber and, and that is the ethos is, you know, great writing should be available to everyone. But you can also be a paid subscriber and you're absolutely right. You know, if you ever read anyone's Substack, their best stuff usually, and we've always advised people, put your best stuff out for free. Mm-hmm. You want to attract the biggest crowd to read it. But what happens over time is, and I've noticed this with, with my own Substack and I've seen it with lots of other people, is that over time, if you are producing your best work, people will read it. And after a while, they'll go, this is really um, having a, a good effect on my life. I don't I don't feel bad about spending five pounds, you know, the price of two cups of coffee a month to support this creative to do what they do best. So I think you're absolutely right. It's one of the wonders um, of the Internet, really. It's sort of similar, I suppose, in that respect to Patreon, as people might know as a platform. I actually just recently cancelled all my Patreon subscriptions because I was never logging in and accessing any of the content, which I like about Substack is that it's direct to your inbox. and it's kind of like paywalled in that way. Is that right? Yeah, it's um, so so Patreon and you will probably know more than me about Patreon. But yeah, Patreon, there are similarities in that Substack really like Patreon is for super fans, people who are really into an individual. Um, the, the main difference with Patreon, though, um, so you're absolutely right, is one is comes directly to you, which Substack does and Patreon, you have to log in. And, and so one is sort of much easier to, to access. But The main difference is that Patreon, um, by the very nature of its name, largely there's sort of like a golden drawbridge and you have to pay to access the content, broadly speaking. Substack is different and it's quite a crucial um, difference, actually, in that most of Substack, most of your work is available to everyone. It's free. But there is a there is a proportion of people, and it's usually about 10% of your free subscribers convert to paid. Um, they get access to extra stuff. But the beauty of having a sort of um a world where free subscribers get to constantly see um sort of what's behind the paywall is free subscribers, when we see this, are constantly starting as free subscribers, and then after a while, they convert into paid subscribers. Yes. Um, and, and and I think that is nice because it's sort of like, a, yeah, it's like a sort of try it and see. And then if you want further access into my world, um, which is what most writers tend to do if you're paying a subscriber to someone's Substack, it's not that you get extra content, although you do with some people. What you mainly get is sort of a more intimate access to the individual. Um, so, you know, so like Patty Smith. Um, she does um, she does gigs behind a paywall. Other so people good. do courses. It's amazing. Yeah, other people do courses. Um, other people read their Substack. So it's more a sort of access um, the, the paid side of things. I imagine as well what a lot of writers probably enjoy about that is it's not really a hard sell. Like you're not having to actively promote buy my Substack. You're just saying, hey, subscribe to my free thing. It's really good. 
I think I think that's absolutely right. Writers are terrible. Well, generally speaking, terrible salespeople. I mean, I <laughs> cringe. But you're right. You know, our nature is to you want to enrich the world. You want everyone to have access to to wonderful art. And that's you're absolutely right. You know, Substack largely is if you want my best stuff, you can read it for free. If you want further access why not become a paid subscriber? So yeah, it's very sort of light on the sales. Um, sales. Yeah, it's almost, almost organic. It's just like once they're in the system, that opportunity is going to be presented to them. That's totally right, yeah. Um, while we're doing the comparisons then, we've talked about Patreon. I, having kind of set my Substack up and played with, with it in the back end, it helped me to understand how it's not like something like MailChimp or ConvertKit where people might currently have a newsletter of sorts. That's right. I mean, you know, Mailchimp is the sort of um, Mailchimp is is actually. I've been talking to a lot of people who are who are on Mailchimp and are moving over, and for lots of different reasons, of course. Um, but the thing about Mailchimp, um, and I've never had a Mailchimp, by the way. Have um, you not? You're I've not never yet. had one. No, I've never <laughs> had one. Um, but but of course, it's a little bit like the blog. You're you're putting it out into the world, which is great. But it's very much you're not waiting for any sort of response. Yes. So it's broadcast, yeah. isn't it, rather than that's conversation? Exactly. Absolutely. And and that, in fact, you're far more eloquent than me. That's exactly what it looks <laughs> like. If you just want to broadcast, then Mailchimp is probably brilliant. But if you want to nurture a community, um, then a Substack is going to be a better option for you. And, and that that's what we found is you have all these people who have these amazing MailChimps, but what they're not getting is the noise back. And of course, as you and I know, the noise back is really important because in turn, it heavily influences the work that, that you end up doing. Yes, that's where the magic is. I always say this to people who are new to kind of their online work in whatever form it takes. I'm like, you don't know yet what the touch points are that are going to just explode and the only way to find them is to post about them and hear what people say back and hear the me too's. And that, you know, that for someone like me is really different because as an editor, you were very much told, and it's the way it is, because of course, if you edit a magazine, you have you have a rough idea of who the audience is. Yeah. You don't really meet them or hear them unless you do events. And so you're constantly second guessing what what your audience wants to read and that's really difficult whereas with something like this they telling you what you want to read and in my case you know I, I often ask people I say look what would you like me to write about I can only write about it however if I feel it's something I can do justice to um so so yeah it's very very different in that way so you mentioned that you write on Substack we should talk about your newsletter as an example so what what are your parameters what do you write about in your newsletter well, I largely, it's just ended up in, in that it, I largely do memoir stuff. I mean, I called it things worth knowing. And the reason was because when I used to edit magazines, you would have so many brilliant stories that freelancers would pitch or ideas that you would have. Um, and you, you could just never get them published mm. because magazines were, and traditional media, they have these very tight parameters of what you can and cannot do. Um, tends to be fairly conventional stuff, uh, tends to have to fit a certain word count. Um, you know, when I was coming through magazines, 
weirdly, really, we used to always go, who is the reader? Well, she's 26 and she's in Colchester. And, and of course, we know that's just absolute bollocks. I mean, <laughs> but you, when, when, you have, when we used to have Cosmo events, you'd see these people and go, God, the only thing that links them is Cosmo. They are so, these are really different individuals. Yeah. Right? Um, so, so, so I always used to feel in my gut, the best stories were the ones we weren't able to tell. Um, and so, um, well, I, I tell you a really good example and, and it never ran in the end, but, but we did a story at Cosmo where we interviewed, um, a very talented writer of mine, um, found this woman who was a, I mean, this is quite dark now, okay. uh, she was a female non-offending paedophile. Wow. Um, it took a very, very long time, but, but she, um, she agreed to be interviewed. And we did this interview with her. Um, it, it was it was by turns both shocking and upsetting and um, illuminating. I'd imagine. Yeah, I mean, I, and I, I had never read anything like it in my life. And and um, we and, and of course, what she was doing is, you know, by her own admission, she said, "I'm non-offending, but it's pain." And people do not realise that women are, you know, women have these feelings as well um and 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 we were about to go to press and and actually as as happens sometimes you have to flag stories which might be seen as controversial and we mm. flagged it and we basically were told we are not to publish this and and so that sort of story went into a drawer and, and it never saw the light of day yes yeah, so it's just still there somewhere gathering yeah. dust it's never to gathering dust wow um, and I wish I could buy it but of course it's it's not my property it's the property of yeah uh, Cosmo. And, and you know I'm not to say whether that's right or wrong the decision that was made but it, it goes to show you know as an editor I was like we absolutely should be printing this because it's really it's an important story it's raising awareness it was not in any way denigrating this woman um but of course sometimes you know there, there are you just cannot publish everything um and so that's why I started my newsletter sorry I, I'm I'm, I'm no. very circuitous route to say why I wrote a newsletter because I was like <laughs> the best stories often are not the ones you set out to tell that they are the sort of the stories that nobody really talks about and and so that's what my newsletter became I, I you know I write at the minute just memoir pieces about aspects of my life which are not really spoken about I mean I a couple of weeks ago I, I wrote about I was a uh, I was assaulted last year this time god this time last year wow. assaulted on the tube and the story I wanted to write was about I didn't the only thing I, I was sure of um was not the pain and the stress but it was that I did not want to be seen as a victim I, I couldn't bear it um and I don't think that's a story that ordinarily people would would um would want to print because I think yeah. it's, they'd be very cautious they'd go well what's wrong with being a victim and, and it's not safe is it that's right they'd go this is a really dangerous point of view whereas my thing is well if you're a sensible writer and you're nuanced then um you know this is perhaps another side of the story that deserves to be told so that is why I set up um my newsletter that said though Sarah you know the newsletter very quickly to your point earlier when I asked people what did they want to know about, they loved the writing, they get it on a Sunday. But a lot of the people that follow my Substack or subscribe to it are writers or or they're people who want to be writers and they yes. want to be published. So actually a lot of people said, look, can you can you basically teach us how to write? So another side of my newsletter that I do is I, I do masterclasses. I teach, I teach people how to write, um, how to pitch stories, 
um, you know, just sharing the knowledge that I've picked up in sort of, you know, sort of 20 years of, of journalism. And that's exactly how my business started in the early days of Instagram when people came and said, we teach us about how you do this. That's right. And Instagram has changed such a lot in that time. And actually, it reminds me a little bit of what you've described. It's like that when you're in competition for the viewers, for the viewers, for the clicks against whether it's other publications or it's other people on Instagram, you then have to kind of appeal to the most common denominator and the most popular and then the most safe. And it kind of ends up maybe being the most banal. Right. And there aren't many places left, I don't think, where people do have a space where they can say the less safe things or, you know, the other side of, of the story or different opinions that maybe won't compete for like number one on your explore page on Instagram or the most trending story of the week on Twitter. But as for their readers, for the dedicated people are actually way more important than those safe choices. You're totally right. I mean, that is the thing, isn't it? And and that's the danger is you appeal to mass and you bland out because as you cannot appeal to everyone. Um, but, you know, I mean, look at, you know, one of the biggest people on Substack in the, in the UK anyway is Dominic Cummings. You know, he's a divisive guy. Mm. Not everybody agrees with, with what he says or does, but he doesn't care about that. And of course he has a very, very dedicated um, following. Um you know, that, that's what it's about. You find your people, you find who's interested in what you've got to say. And yes, you might, you know, it's that sacrifice thing. You might lose a bunch of people for something you've done, but but the super fans will gather. And, yeah. and that's about dis- deciding, you know, um, which, which is why, of course, is on, why on Substack, um, niche, if anyone's thinking of starting on, niche tends to, to do very, very well. That's interesting. I want more of this. Tell us the inside things you know about what works well if we're thinking of starting a substack putting so, you on the spot i haven't proved <laughs> okay no 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 quite quite all right so so there are a couple of things really so the first thing is you know going back to what you said don't think mass think niche so if you are think if you go i want i want to write about health for women go well can you can you niche that a little bit so it might be actually no i want i want to write about health for women for, for midlife women, let's say, um, or you could niche it even further and go, you know, I want to write about health for women who have caned it in their thirties and forties and want to now start getting their health back. Right. Do you know what I mean? The, the more niche you can make it, um, the more dedicated, not big, but the more dedicated an audience you are going to get. And dedicated um, translates to earning to, more. To, to earning. Yeah. Technically it would. So dedicated equals pay, you know, usually, um, and that's why I think what people shouldn't freak out about is if your Substack numbers look very different to your Instagram numbers, mm. that's okay. That's totally, that's to be expected. You know, it's not looking at a picture and a caption. This is reading your work. Yeah. And it's a different relationship. There's something so much more intimate about being in someone's inbox absolutely, absolutely. and then letting you come in there and kind of repeat that process. And I feel like it, it feels safer in that way, a bit like a podcast really, because if you don't like it, you're going to just unsubscribe. Whereas a lot of people will keep following people on Instagram, even though they've come to hate you. That's totally right. And of course, as a writer, when people unsubscribe, you get a feel very quickly for what's working, what's not. Mm. What's so yeah, so you should definitely, exactly, it's all data. Um, so you should, you should niche in or niche out. Um, we tend to find that people who are publishing twice a week 
tend to have a sort of stickier audience. Um, I hate the word audience, but 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 it tends to work better as a rhythm. Now, that's not to, to make anyone freak out and go, well, I haven't got time to write twice a week. Um, there are, like I said earlier on Substack, you could, the, the heartbeat of your, your, your Substack will always be your written piece, usually. But the second thing that you could do is you can do voice memos, you know, really easy. You just literally press record and you can do a little message to your um, community. Really easy. Um, you can do a thread. So on Substack, um, and again, you don't have this on MailChimp. If you do a thread, you literally put a question out to your um, to your audience. So in my case, it might be tell us about the biggest heartbreak of your life. And then the content on your um, Substack for that week or the second part of that week is all community generated. So it's really interesting. So so twice yeah. a week, a really good rhythm. Um, once a week minimum, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, what else can I tell you? I mean, look, the really important thing is, um, and everybody should do this, is if and most people have um, are on different platforms, you've probably got a bit of audience on Facebook, a bit on Twitter, a bit on Instagram. Um, you don't own any of those, of course, because the minute you leave, um, your community dies with you, with your account. So what you need to do when you, on the day you start a Substack, you need to put it in your bio for a start. You need to, if you have the words, if you have the capacity, you need to explain to people what is it on your Substack that's going to be worth the effort from somebody on Instagram who likes you making the jump to your Substack. Yes. So what I would always say to people is just put, um, if you want more of my, um, if you want more of my, um, you know, um, most of me, it would be like French house updates. French, there you go. French house updates. For me, it's like, if you want my more intimate, um, and my best writing, find it on my Substack. So what you're trying to do exactly is claw some of that community and not, you know, not all of it will come, but give them a reason to make the jump, um, is really important and, and use your social media that you've spent years honing as a, as a creative. Um, it, it, it can become a very um, useful marketing tool for your Substack. That doesn't mean, however, on Twitter, go, hi, guys, I've written a new post on Substack, come over. Because, of course, Twitter will penalise you if you get them to, to come out of Twitter. No, you know, Twitter is, is not going to surface that. So what I tend to say to people is you've got to give a bit of value for Twitter. So let's say you wrote a piece about uh, moving to France. You could do a thread in sort of, you know, five posts on Twitter. And then in your fifth thread, you could go, I've actually written about this this exact thing in my post on Substack today. Why not go over? That's the way to market it on, say, yes. And then on Instagram, you can be like on stories going, hey, I'm just writing this for my for my Substack and, you know, show your laptop, show that you're working on something and then tease it. And just say, look, you know, we're having a conversation now about this very thing. If you do a podcast, um, what I would always say is the people listening to your podcast, there's going to be a load of downloads in inverted commas who are real people that you want to bring to your Substack. So if you do a podcast, I always say to people, mention your Substack in it or um, say to people, if you've enjoyed this podcast and you want to continue the conversation, why not head over to my Substack where we're talking about today's podcast? So you're giving people a reason to come over and get a more intimate access to the writer. So I have a question now that's literally just a question I have for me. <laughs> um, say you're like me, so I have this podcast, but yeah. I also have this idea I'm writing about the French house and kind of sharing like behind the scenes updates. 
they're very different topics. How do I, do I have two different substacks? How do I balance that? Well, I would say for somebody like you, you would have one substack and you probably would call it your name because your name is well known. So you, you know, it would be Saratasca, you know, dot substack.com. What you could then do is you have to give people an expectation of what's going to be in here. And what you could say is this is my world. You're going to learn everything from, right. you know, from, from renovating a French farmhouse right through to, um, you know, how to be better on Instagram and how to be a better creative, let's just say. What you can then do within your Substack is you can create verticals. So the French house could live as a separate thing. Um, in, in my um, newsletter, for example, I have things worth knowing, which is all the writing, you know, memoir stuff. But then I also have a vertical, which is called the writer's room, which is where everything to do with how to be a writer lives. And people can get access to both, but they can also just, if they only want to subscribe right. to the French house, they can just subscribe to that part of your Substack. That's really beautiful. It's so simple rather than like having multiple lists and multiple accounts and going into the whole MailChimp headache. It's just wouldn't be worth it. And, you know, most people, I think most people, if it all goes back to, you know, Substack is about the individual and it's about quite rightly saying writers are brilliant and this is why people read their stuff. So what tends to happen is most people aren't interested in just one part of your life. They're probably as interested in your life in Yorkshire as they are in your, as you're renovating a house in France, as they are in you as a, as a writer and creative. I think that, so I think you have to have it in one place actually. Which fits actually with exactly what I always say about Instagram. We have this tendency to want to put every facet of ourselves in a different account like this is my wild floristry and this is my wedding floristry and yes. to where the rest of us we're like it's the same thing we don't see the difference That's right. and it is that it yeah because people come for a whole person and actually it's the whole personness that makes it sticky because right. you want to support them through whatever comes whereas if they're just there for what you're doing right now you know your pet rooster goes away and there's nothing left to write about that's it. It comes to an end and everyone's life is an evolution. And, you know, the hope with Substack is, you know, for a lot of writers, this is, is because become a full-time profession for them. Um, you want your profession to last with you until retirement. If you're a writer, you never retire, of course. So you have to, your audience evolves with you. And you're, you're, you're totally right. You know, once the wildflower arrangement is over, what's next? And your audience will probably come with you, you know, unless you sort of have a complete meltdown. <laughs> totally change to like yeah. Ferrari tips. <laughs> right. they're, they're, and, and you know what? They'd probably stick with you because they go, God, this is really interesting. So yeah, put, put it in one place, but set up the expectation from the very beginning. There's an about page on Substack and, and the about page is really important. And, and it's not, this actually is some advice. Your about page is not really for you just to go, hi, I'm, you know, I'm Farah, I'm, I'm, I'm an editor of 20 years, blah, blah. That's really boring. That should take up a very small amount of space. The majority of your about page should be explaining why you, why now, why this substack. So in my case, you know, it's, it's almost like your about page is a sort of manifesto. So in my case, it was like, you know, I've been an editor for 20 years and I always behind the scenes felt really strongly that the, the stories that really counted weren't being surfaced. And that's why I'm now taking to Substack to surface those stories. So if you have a very strong manifesto from the outset, what you're setting out to do, which isn't being done anywhere else, people yes. are much more likely to go, I'm going to pay and support this person because I really believe in what they're doing. As opposed to a traditional newsletter, which is like... You'll get updates about my shop 
and 10% off. <laughs> Absolutely. People want, they want to know what your heart and soul is. And that's what people pay for is, an, you know, they want to, you know, if you've got the same beliefs with someone, you know, five pound a month, that's two cups of coffee for them that's not a lot of money if if it's somebody that 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 you read and go i completely ch- chime with them they their vision of the world is 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 how i see the world um that's when the connection so it's connection yes. is yeah it is connection it's a human to human like uninterrupted connection which is hard to find now in the world of algorithms and the way social media has changed so you mentioned money you mentioned some writers this is their full time income let's actually talk about money cuz I think it's going to surprise people how much money some people are making on Substack. Um, so there are so there are all types of. I mean, there are some people. There are lots of people making six figure salaries. Put it that way. Um, that's mind blowing. Are writers and and you know writers never think that's going to happen for them. Um, there are lots of people making you know sort of um, slightly less than that with with extra work. There are a lot of people who have perhaps a full time job who are making a really good living on the side from their Substack. There are people who are, um, they don't do it so often, but that maybe they do it once a week and it's growing bit by bit. So they're at a point where they're thinking I could maybe give up the day job now and do this. The the the, the money side of things is no one ever believes me, but <laughs> people will pay. And, it, you know, if, if, the, if the words are great um, and if you have a clear sort of vision, it goes back to the manifesto, um, people will pay I mean you know I I think I honestly feel that whole getting stuff for free you know free crap it doesn't taste nice Mm. you know it's much you know I'd rather pay money and have something which I feel totally intellectually nourished by and I feel connected with someone um so I think writers yeah so many people are cynical going oh I'd never make any money you would be amazed you 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 really would I'm curious for people listening who are thinking, well, I'm not a writer, but I'm, I would like to maybe find some people to subscribe to. Yeah. How is the best way? To, what is the best way to go about that? It's not, I assume, to go to every single writer's website and search for the word Substack and do it the long way around. No. So, um, so, so, so it's much easier now. So in the beginning, exactly, writers you loved, you'd see it in their, their your social media bio. But now you can just go to Substack's main website and you can put in um, by subject. So if you're interested in religion or say you're interested in gardening or food and it will surface um, great Substack reads. Um, there is a reading room where we also surface great Substack reads. We have something very exciting coming up very soon where we surface um, the brilliant sort of array of writers that we have. Um, so sort of more like a magazine in a way nice. uh, where there's a sort of element of surprise because I've always believed, you know, if you go looking for, oh, I like food, sometimes you'd be surprised at actually what you would like, um, which yeah. was in magazines. You turn a page and something surprising might resonate with someone. So um, the main thing is that is to go to our main website, have a route around. Um, and, and a lot of people that you follow on Substack, they'll often recommend other people. Um, yes. So it's not, it's not algorithms. It's writers going I also really enjoy this. It's a bit like, you know, when someone you really admire goes, you should read this book. I really like it. Um, that's another thing to be aware of is, is Substack writers recommending other Substats because it's usually a good indication that you will enjoy it as well. Which is, again, very much like the energy of early Instagram of blogging back in the day. It really does have that feel of like 
genuine humans recommending, connecting, sharing, writing. Totally right. I mean, some of the like my Instagram account now, it used to be a wonderful place. And I, you know, I'm not hugely successful on, on Instagram, but now I'm just finding it's just it's just random video after random video. <laughs> Clicked on a video of a pit bull once and all I'm getting surfaced is videos <laughs> of pit bulls. I mean, I can't go near my Instagram account now. I'll tell you at the end how to get rid of those, by the way. There's a way. Thank you. <laughs> um, actually, and I have to say, talking about discovery, I had published one post on my Substack as an experiment earlier this month. And within a day, someone had found it. I don't even know how she'd found it. She'd been looking, she'd found Emma Gannon on there and she'd been looking for other people she liked and she'd found it and she subscribed and tweeted about it. I was like, this is working. Ollie, you need to get some stuff up there quickly. Yeah, I know. I mean, that, that's how it works, isn't it? It's like Emma, Emma Gannon to you to, it, that. that's how the growth happens. Um, and, and the other thing I should say, which is really great for people starting out, if you are an unknown writer and you're like, well, it's fine if I'm Sarah because I've got a great, you know, Instagram account. Mm, which we all think. We all think. If only I was her. That's right. That's absolutely right. Um, but there is a sort of hack in a way, which is if somebody starts a Substack and they comment on a piece that you've written on your Substack, so let's say I commented on, on your piece about, you know, moving to France um, it, it, and I write a very nice comment, a very well-written, very considered comment. Not only does it show my name, but it's it would say Farah who writes things uh-huh. worth knowing. So community are going to read that and go, God, this person's really articulate. Let me look at their substack. So that is a really good way to get noticed. This is exactly like the, the days of blogging, the early days of Instagram, like, I mean, people who listen to this podcast a lot will know it. I don't normally do an episode dedicated to one platform or one product or one offering, but it has this energy now. And I hear from so many people who feel like they missed the boat on those things. They were too late. I don't ever think it is too late. You can always start, but I understand wanting to be part of this time, this time when it's really exciting and it's new and it's evolving and it's changing all the time and it's growing. And if you're one of those people, like this is this is my recommendation because I think five years from now Substack is going to be like a whole a whole multiverse that we can't even imagine yet yeah I I think you're right I mean I didn't know the early days of blogging and Instagram but there is a feeling at the moment and you tell me it's sort of those people getting started on Substack now they're all in it together so everybody is help that everybody's mucking out and helping one another and there's no competition. It's yes. a lovely feeling, which I tell you, in magazines, you you don't get editors sort of mucking in at, you know, helping other editors out. Never happened. That's so interesting. I'm, I'd be really interested actually to hear other people's thoughts on this as well. I will make sure, in fact, that I put on my Substack a link to this podcast so people can come and have a talk about it. And I'll stick that in the show notes. Is that how it works? Yes, you can absolutely do that, yeah. Or, you know, when you put this podcast up, we can even be online or be on Substack to answer any extra questions. I mean, you know, there there are so many different things you can do. I think people would love that. I'm sure people are thinking, like, their wheels are turning and they're thinking, but would it work for me? That's always the question, isn't it? You think, but I must be the exception. I must be the one person it won't work for. (laughs) Not true. (laughs) Usually the answer is, no, you're not. (laughs) Absolutely right. Okay, Farah, where can people find more from you? Reminders of the name of your Substack. Well, my Substack is really easy because I have claimed my name. So it's just farah.substack.com. 
Oh, how nice. That's another advantage of getting in early, right? <laughs> yeah. Do you know what? That's the other thing is if people start a Substack, I should say this, claim your name. It's like the early days of Gmail. Um, you can have a publication name on Substack. So your publication name might be the French house, but when you start a Substack, it will ask you for your domain name. And people sometimes, um, it's not a mistake, but sometimes put their, the name of the publication. My advice would always be make you make sure that you choose, you get your name. Yes. Which is what I say on Instagram. I mean, it's harder and harder to do, but then because whatever comes next for you, it still fits. Whereas if you've called yourself the little bakery and then you decide <laughs> you hate cake, it's going to be difficult. Absolutely right. Yeah. Spot on. Amazing. Where else? You mentioned Instagram. Where else can we find you? Oh, you can. Well, you can find me on Twitter, but there's not a lot going on there. Um, <laughs> mainly find, do you know what? Uh, you find me on my Substack is where you find all my writing. And on Instagram, you'll find a lot of dog pictures. But you'll also actually on my Instagram, what I do put up there and will be putting up there is if we, you know, if we ever do any anything that's to do with Substack, if there's because we do lots of fellowships. Um, that's the place where where you can follow me and, and you'll be able to find out about all of that sort of stuff. Amazing. Thank you so much. You've been so generous with all of your knowledge. It's going to be really helpful to people, I'm sure. Very welcome. Lovely speaking to you. You too. Show notes for this episode are at meanola.co.uk forward slash podcast 111. And you'll also find links to the things we've talked about in your podcast app. I'm going to put a link to my substack and Farah's substack and if you go to mine you'll also see a list of recommendations for other substacks I've subscribed to that might help you get started over there let me know if you get started over there I would love to follow along and see what you're doing and if you would like more info on substack maybe me and Farah could arrange an instagram live Q&A for you guys if you've got questions dm me let me know what you think and we can set something up and of course if you're subscribed to my substack I'll make sure you get an email about that to let you know have an amazing week I'm wishing you lots of joy and lots of creativity and I'll speak to you soon.